0: speaking thank you all for joining us today on uh, youtube or spotify or wherever you're listening to us at this time uh this week we have a lot of things to talk about and i'm joined by a bunch of special guests as usual first we have our uh, our main man luca luca what part of the world are you in today
1: hey man i'm i am in dc but flying into uh miami tomorrow man which i'm super excited
0: Oh, nice! What are you? What are you doing in Miami?
1: Hey, it's my 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 best friend's bachelor party, man. So I might not make it out a lot, dude.
0: Okay, so he, he probably won't see you next week. Yeah, he probably <laughs> not. dude. <huh? laughs> nice. Uh, well, I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of fun and meet some interesting uh Latinas and all that, you know. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> what I'm looking forward to, man.
2: Uh, Valley, how's it going in Australia, man? It does sound like Lucas in a recording studio, doesn't he? And I'm thinking, yeah, who's there with? Who's famous rappers here with? He's going (laughs) to Miami now. I reckon since we've started the pod, it's the 17th bachelor party he's been to. So it's good to live your life through somebody else.
0: That's right. Lucas flying high. It's the Bitcoin rally, bachelor parties. is it's all happening. <laughs> Some good. of this oh. to be many živje zdraví, that I mean, that's all I care about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alex, so how are you doing, my man? How's,
0: how's uh, beautiful Valkyrie? Well, I've,
3: uh, I've had better days uh, considering everything that went happened on Sunday, not just with the Derby, but with me sounding like a crock of shit, as most of you can hear. But it does mean a more pleasurable listening experience for the, for the listeners of this wonderful podcast, because I won't be talking as much, and uh, having a chance to do it with you guys makes it a lot easier, so... I'm ready to get into it. There's a lot of topics to cover, and a lot of good stuff happened, a lot of bad stuff happened, and
0: sometimes it was the best and worst of Serbian football at the same time. So it was, it was a good week. Yeah, let's. Uh, you know, so you mentioned it, so let's start with that. Uh, the the derby, which was yesterday, no day before yesterday. can losing track of time and my days, but we just saw uh, the big game happen. One hundred sixty six, one hundred sixty six derby, Petrolna um, Zvezda. Uh, so not the way you wanted to go, of course. As <laughs> the one-two-nothing, uh, pretty, pretty convincing performance. You know, Bertizan had, I would say, one good chance all game, and you know they are really struggling. Of course, they have played. You know, this is their fourth game in 10 days or 12 days, and so obviously a lot, lot, lot more tired legs as Ases does currently. But in the, the day, can't really use that as an excuse entirely, as both sides had pretty strong teams out there. Just wasn't wasn't their day, and they definitely deserved the win. And now they're only two points back. The title race is going to get crazy. It's already been crazy, but now it's going to get a lot crazier. So we'll see what happens uh, down the line, and and how this whole thing ends. Especially now with uh, Russia being uh, kicked out of uh, kicked out of all competitions. So even next year we might see uh, two Serbian clubs in the Champions League. So see how all that goes. Luca, what was your uh... What was your thoughts on
1: on the on the game and and, and the derby in, gen- in general? Uh yeah man, I actually did watch this one and it was a good game from his perspective. Thought it was a very professional win. Um, he is looking like a a real threat up there, which is always nice to see with with new signings, especially in an important game like that. I thought it was funny when he scored and I believe he started celebrating in front of the the and <laughs> Well does he as the players were like let's not do that, man, let's turn around and celebrate this way, dude. Uh, so that was uh, pretty funny to see. But um all the comments that I read from him afterwards, he uh seems to be adjusting very well and uh, and um enjoying the moment, which is which is most important. Um, you know, that wasn't like I watched both the Partizan's uh two games against Prague and, and they played I thought pretty damn well in both the games and that wasn't the same Partizan team and I actually think like fatigue and their uh, shallow squad depth had a lot to do with it because they couldn't like interchange uh, players um, and give somebody else a chance and still keep the same quality. So I definitely think that had something to do with it. I think that night, that night, Giesda was just better. Um, but let's give credit to Partizan because they definitely played uh, some amazing games that are now in through to the quarterfinals of the uh, Conference League as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're right. Oh, he's looking looking very promising. Looks like a great signing. And a lot of uh, Zvezda players had standout games. Milan Rodic on the, on the left hand side there. Uh, creating all kinds of problems for Partizan, as well as, uh, you know, Irakovic in defense. And obviously, uh, Dragovic, Alzan Dragovic, was, you know, definitely mm. one of the best players to ever play in our league, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't for even sure. know. I still don't. You so still have to thank his grandfather for convincing him to, you know, come to Zvez at this point in his career when he's clearly still in his prime, when he could be playing in a top five league. And, you know, and instead, he's, he's gracing us with his presence and putting in amazing performances in, in, in the Serbian League, which is greatly appreciated. And uh, Valley, what were your thoughts on, on, on the game and uh, the upcoming crazy title race?
2: To you three and to all our listeners on our podcast, I'm going to be highly positive, highly romantic and highly nostalgic on your asses. Um, Listen, I took it from an aggregate point of view. It's been a long time uh, because, you know, we all know I'm I'm a little bit older than, than you three. I used to grow up when the Zvezda, Partizan derbies were the biggest thing probably in Eastern Europe going towards the west in terms of uh, participation uh, a, a bigger part and I should say that better in in terms of crowd numbers and things like that and then I went through the uh, what they call the noughties, you know from the, the the start of the millennium to 2010 and all those derbies were awful and they were at times they got 15,000 to to a game and things like that used the scene as um political you know the, the derby was as a scene for uh people showing off their political venting and their opinions and people to take out their frustrations and there were fights and crap and all that type of stuff uh going on at the ground not to this uh take away from the horrible uh, few horrible scenes in in the belga streets beforehand but i looked at the two derbies this year and I actually thought that they were a great spectacle and where this is the pinnacle of the Serbian league, right? You know, we talk about our Serbian clubs in Europe and we talk about our national team, rightly so. And we talk about our players who are doing well in Europe. But I just, I thought the first game at um, Partizan Stadium earlier in the season and the game now three days ago at Zvezda Stadium, I think was a solid Laying of what the derby could and should be like. Wonderful atmosphere. Wonderful colour. Um, they were both they, they were both reasonably good games. They weren't the the bore fest and the snooze fest that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I know that you know the the Alexa you know goes for Pratiza and go for Svezda. Um, also, you know, like I'd love our relationship you know to be an example of what. The, the, the derby should mean to all of our um, supporters. You know, listening to the pod. You know, we don't hate each other. We don't want to. You know, we don't criticize each other. It's all in friendship and in good sport. You know, in in good sporting rivalry. But I, I thought the derby was just a fantastic spectacle. Do you know what I mean? Like I just I, I just thought it was it was it was like solid to watch. Um, the the standard was solid without being fantastic. I probably agree with what Luca just said that um, maybe because Partizan had those two games, what I really want to talk about later in the European part of our pod, uh, Partizan's two game against Sparta Prague. Yeah, there was a little bit of fatigue, but that goes back down to um, uh, the intensity of the Serbian league and we're just not used to that week in and week out. Um, Yes, Oki looks a great signing, uh, I I really got to commend Alexander Stanovich and the way he just said, "Listen, Zvezda was just better than today," and you know they 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 warranted their win. I'm a little bit troubled, and I know that Alexa will have a better insight into this. Whereby he said, "I I picked the incorrect lineup or the incorrect team." I'd love to know what that could have been, because I couldn't work that out a hundred percent. But Again, it was Vezda, it was Vezda's derby. It's made now the uh, title race really really interesting, and I think just for the um, uh, just for the uh, interest of the Serbian league, you know, like in a way, it's the three pillars of our podcast. You know, like all the four pillars. And Jesus, I just realized how corporate corporate I sounded, but
1: um,
2: you know, it's it's our it's our Serbian clubs in Europe. It's our Serbian league. It's our Serbian uh, national team, and. Um, uh, and our Serbian players that, you know, that make the transfer, uh, our transfer systems, you know, from the big clubs and all over Europe. So I think that's an important part. And I think it just showed that, you know, if it, it, that's what it could be. And I hope that there's grounds to build in that, you know, next year and beyond. Uh, well, yeah, I agree with you
0: about the game. I think it actually was a pretty good game. And, you know, in the past, maybe not the last couple of days, but in the past, we've seen like, Crazy some fouls real back. yes. Yeah, yeah there was like 60, 60 fouls between both teams right. in, in those awful games. Now, granted, in this game there was a bit of, you know, pushing, especially that one one moment in the first half when, you know, <laughs> the bench is cleared, which is normal. But I think, you know, compared to many of the other ones, this was some pretty good football. Maybe not, you know, from Patizan's point of view. But I think it was a pretty decent game, and I enjoyed watching it. That's for sure. I, I, you know, I wasn't. Like, don't get me shined. wrong. I don't.
2: I don't want everyone to start going holding hands and walking out together. Yeah. You know, black and red and all that. We want the rivalry. I've got, and we want the competitiveness, and we want the fierceness of it all. Um, you know, like I've got. It was a Sasha Stjelar got sent off. Yes, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and you know, like you know, he went off and kissed the Partisan badge and all that type of stuff. I've got no problem with that, right? Like, who else badge was he going to, you know, kiss? He's not going to kiss the Haiduk badge, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I've got no problem with that, right? So, um, it's 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 all in good sport and it's all in good fairness and, you know, you've got to congratulate the Zvezda players who, you know, probably showed the, the two newcomers, you know, probably don't go celebrate over there, go celebrate over here. Right, you know, right. Things to spill <laughs> okay. out onto the streets and all that because, for God's sake, what type of world we're we leaving, leaving our, our kids, you know what I mean? And um you know um you know so I, it, it was really good and i just hope it's something to build on that's right Alexa. different perspective
0: perspective from you i'm sure here um you no know, partisan not not a good performance from them especially going forward you know the attacks were pretty neutralized by his defense milicic big question mark you know starting on the right hand side there he got cooked pretty good by uh, rodic um what were, what were your thoughts on the game and what did wish uh, get wrong? Well,
3: uh, I think the thing that Veli said at the start about the Derby being a very popular thing in the past is something that actually came back uh, in a way in this particular game because the, from everything I heard and everything I saw, there was a lot of interest from foreign journalists and foreign fans that were coming in to watch the game. Uh, I think that the stadium was the most filled that it's been for a Derby in a very, very long time. It was reminiscent of the... A uh, derby that happened back in 2003 after we played Real Madrid in the Champions League when it was, you know, you couldn't put a needle in the stadium. That's how full it was. And this was the first time in a while that, you know, our southern uh, stand was full all the way. And, uh, you know, the, the fans showed up in big numbers and the atmosphere was pretty good on both sides. So I think it's something that helps the overall image of, of the derby. The football has been getting increasingly better over time. I think that uh, better officials have been getting an opportunity. Guys like Majic and Sergini sure are that European officials are getting the chance to ref the games as opposed, you know, as opposed to guys that are easily influenced. And, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's good for the game. I think it's good for the league. I think that, you know, considering that we're nearing the top 10, you know, leagues in, in Europe, I think that UEFA might have a bigger um, incentive to come in and even, you know, make sure that uh, the other games in the league look that good. And it's a shame that the league isn't shortened. Uh, so that we can see this kind of intensity every single match day, because there's a big disparity between the top teams and the bottom teams. And, you know, you you would be more accustomed to the tempo and even the derby games look better. But, again, derby games in most countries aren't particularly great. They're defensive slugfests, fests, and very rarely do you see a go-fest that happens. So I wasn't surprised that this game was similar like that, although there was some good football to be played, at least from Zvezda's perspective. And I thought Zvezda played a pretty routine game. I don't think they really ever got out of second or third gear the whole way. Uh, we didn't really, have a, uh, <clears throat> didn't really have much of an idea of what we wanted to do. Um, what Stanovic got wrong in the lineup, I think, is very evidently the fact that uh, he started Yoich ahead of Yeftovic as the DMS. I think we all knew going into the game that this is going to have a lot of danger from uh, second-chance opportunities. And you know that Kata and Imanic and others are going to come in after the rebounds. And uh, you have Yoich there who doesn't track back, who doesn't pick up his man, who's not physically ready to play at such a tempo against the likes of Sonoko. And... Kusticic and others, and you have a logical situation where the first cross comes in and Katai outleaps leaps, because Jojic doesn't pick him up, the second goal is a bad clearance, Katai stays in the edge of the box, and um, you know, Miletic staying there again, I don't understand how he could play him there, you know, it'd be, he was so bad in, the, in his previous game that he called Solomeloshevic's job in a way, so him going to that route, and I know that he didn't have Mirkovic available, but he had Marko Živkovic and Lutovic, he had somebody he could have put there, and Milotic just got absolutely roasted on that side, as you guys mentioned. And I don't know. I mean, Nemanja Jovic's form is dipping more and more. He's probably the most talented youngster that uh, that this team has, but unfortunately he's not showing it. And uh, Dichu was also a bonus player who could have helped out as more direct and probably better in face-on, one-on-one situations, didn't get any minutes. Um, it showed how weak we are. Wednesday 11 doesn't have a great game. The team is 30% weaker, and ultimately the limits of this team were exposed. And it was surprising. Uh, our track record of, you know after big European games isn't particularly great. I think that the team in some ways was emotionally drained after how well we played against Sparta, especially the first half. And um, I think it was expected of things to show that, that it's more tactically flexible. I think they're a team that's physically much more ready. They're used to playing Thursday and Sunday you know, for years now. And um, I think we really blew a big chance. I think Stamanevich's mentality going into the, the game when he said plus five and plus two are the same to me was wrong. I think the subs he made were wrong. I think that, listen... This is his fifth Derby and, uh, in the second term, and he hasn't won a single one yet. And, uh, you know, he had the luxury of losing this game, and he chose not to go for it. So you look at the rest of our schedule, we have to maintain us being ahead two points by the time the playoffs come around, which is very debatable whether that's going to happen or not, so that we can have the Derby at home. And uh, if he didn't go for it this time, I don't know what, when he was going to go for it. I think that, again, we didn't really have many ways to threaten. We've played the same way we played all season, which is either – try to find Ricardo on the long ball or let our, you know, PC wingers create counterattacking opportunities or try to get something out of set pieces. There really isn't a lot of buildup. There's not a lot of structure, especially defensively, how we how we play and against a stronger, more technically talented team, those flaws get exposed. And I do credit to Stamovich for what he did against Sparta and what he's done this season. I think that he's done a very good job. And I don't know if another manager would have us first on the table. I think we deserve first. Especially when considering the fact that we've, you know, we've deservedly beaten all the small teams, and there haven't been any controversial situations. But uh, I think that it's also fair to say that he's shown in most of the big games this year, whether it's in Europe or in the league, that um, you know he just simply isn't available. He just simply isn't able to win those games in most cases, and the team is just not physically ready to answer the task. And uh, he's going to have a very difficult task going ahead in in April. And uh, if he doesn't win that, and if we don't win that, then we don't deserve the title, and he gets credit for playing a good game. Oh, he looked great. And uh, the last thing I want to mention is that I'm kind of annoyed at this notion that all of a sudden we made Dan Stanovich look like a good coach. Well, he won more points in the Europa League than we won in the Conference League, and I think he's shown that he's tactically sound. And I think that he's shown that he can evolve. And Stanovich hasn't shown that. I think he has certain strengths and certain characteristics that work for our league very well, and I think that they've helped us get to where we are. And I think that this is a success with this team. But then you ask the question, why was this team selected? And how is it possible that he's evolved very little from what he was 10 years ago? So it leaves a lot of questions to be answered. I, I They have one more game to really show what they can do. They have to, first of all, maintain that lead. And if they can maintain that lead going into April, then they're going to have a game where you're going to have to prove whether they got the right stuff or not. And then it's down to him and it's down to them. And it's the most important game of his career and their career. And um, they should forget Fanord and everything else and focus on that because, you know, Fanord is obviously great, and I'm a huge fan of winning in Europe. But, you know, you've thrown all your eggs in the title basket, you can't back out now. So you got to make sure that, you know, for, for that April game, you win everything you can and you go in that game ready to kill, which we didn't do. We looked like a team that wasn't ready to give it their all. We looked kind of timid. We looked scared. We didn't really make a lot of fouls. And um, because they just deserved it. They were much better on the day. And they
0: they looked, you know, made us look second-rate, really. That's all there's to it. Yeah, I, I agree, Felix. Uh, I mean, you can't, you can't argue against that didn't play their best game and a lot of, you know, obviously you, you, you mentioned Zell had a horrible game, you know, his worst game of the season and he's a player that is really, the he really depends on so if he's having a shocker then, you know, it's going to be way harder for him to get a result against anybody let alone against uh, Zvezda and um, and you mentioned as well uh, the upcoming title race and, and the playoff and all that, it's it's gonna get really juicy. I mean, I, I don't see Partizan or Slaven dropping any more points, especially now that things are, you know, so much at stake. But we'll see what happens. Anything can happen. There's always surprises, even in our league. You know, there's always like a a, a draw against Radnički or something like that,
1: <laughs> that yeah.
0: screws everybody up. And uh, and you know, we spoke in in the winter about you know Partizan needs more depth need to add more players, need more help in the midfield. And then they signed Faisa and, and we said, you know, if he can be fit, he'll be a big asset. Well, you know, seems like he's not fit. He hasn't played. He might not play the season. He might not play the season, yeah. So that seems like a well, pretty wasted signing already. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of these issues were not addressed in in, in the winter transfer period. Um, so it just, the depth just the depth has not been fixed. But on the bright side, you know, Partizan, as you mentioned, Sparta Prague. Let's talk about Europe now. Um, amazing uh, performance by Partizan against Sparta Prague. By far, the better team in both legs. Now they're off to the round of 16 in the Conference League, and they'll play Fanord from uh, from the Dutch Eredivisie, which will be a very tough matchup. And then Zvezda as well in the round of 16 of the Europa League will be playing Glasgow Rangers. who just knocked out uh, Borussia, Borussia Dortmund. So clearly clearly they're a pretty good team as well um both very interesting draws for our clubs obviously i think anybody that's a bit, a bit realistic would say that both our clubs are uh, underdogs in, in these ties but i think we still have a good chance especially you know at home uh, get a get a good uh, get a good home result and then you know whatever happens there happens there uh luca what are your thoughts on uh on you know the Renaissance of our clubs in Europe, both being in in the knockout stages, and the and the round of 16, and, and really pushing our uh, coefficient forward, where we're going to be a top 10 league, maybe a top nine league uh, next year.
1: I mean, what to say? It's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, just to be in the <laughs> top 10 leagues in Europe, first of all, just goes to show just uh, how much, how far our league has come. I mean, obviously spearheaded by Partizan and Zvezda but still. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing for the rest of the league as well uh, because they have to face them in the in the league so um yeah it's beautiful to see man I think if, if Patizan will have both 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 ties are going to be hard for both Zvezda and Patizan there's no denying it I, I actually think uh Zvezda and Rangers are 50-50 I think it's a coin flip and and the reason I say this is because look Say what you will. We made it first uh, out of our group and um, got got kind of that buy week, if you will. Um, in a tough group, man, and and Rangers had to earn it earn it the hard way. Uh, I watched a few uh, or I watched their games against uh, Borussia Dortmund. Now here's the thing: they are good, but they are extremely prone to mistakes. And some of the goals that they scored against Borussia Dortmund were big because of Dortmund's just horrible, atrocious defending, like, really, really bad defending, like, if you just watch the highlights. Um, that being said, they're the kind of side that could give us trouble because of just the fight that they have in them. It would be, like, every time Borussia would be coming close to score or has, like, a, you know, 75% chance to score uh, and they miss... Um, then Rangers will come back and just hit him right in the nose and score a score a goal of their own. So, you know, we just have to be weary of that. However, I I, I, I do I, I can't see us as the underdog here. I really think it's fifty fifty. I think p will have a little bit of a harder time. But I'm I actually can't wait for these freaking games, man. I'm I'm pumped up and uh
2: Absolutely
1: I, I um I'm actually gonna be in Belgrade for that a home game for Ziezda dude. So uh, oh, okay. as a as a well, fellow well. English speaker I'm gonna give him hell, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: I, I love just, it's gonna, you know, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere here and in Glasgow, right? So that's that's what I love about European games, you know, the games against teams like this who have a strong fan base and a strong history as well and a strong tradition right, right. as well. And obviously the history between Zvezda and Rangers is pretty, pretty substantial as well, you know, 2007, 1991, 1990. So uh, I, I love it. I can't wait. I think it's going to be two amazing atmospheres, and it's going to be quite respectable. And same thing with put these on and Feyenoord. Feyenoord, a very historic club, great history, um, great tradition as well. They haven't been, you know, the same level in recent years that they were in the past, uh, even though they won the, I think they won the Dutch League three or four years ago, 2017 or 2016. But, you know, back in the day, they were the Dutch superpower. And now they're, you know, they're still a strong side, but they're not what they used to be. But it's going to be... Amazing atmosphere there as well, and obviously an amazing atmosphere in Belgrade. So, I, I'm really excited for both games, and I'm excited to see what happens. Veli, what are your thoughts on, on the draw for our clubs and the play of Tizan against
2: Ah, oh, Okay, first of all, um, guys, I want to get all nostalgic on your ass, right?
1: Well, hell yeah. We love it when you do that. <laughs> but
2: there was, it was a little about 10 years ago, 12, I can't remember. It was by sheer luck. I was in Slovakia, and what I uh, was doing there is I actually ended up watching Serbia play Slovakia in a Davis Cup tie in the tennis. Now, about a week before that, I can't remember. You know, my mind uh, is uh, starting, uh, my memory starting to lose me. Now, I watched a, um, a game between Slovan Bratislava and Rapid Vienna, and it was a European game as well. I don't know how I got a ticket. Someone actually told me there in Bratislava, like, I just don't know how you got a ticket. You're a foreigner, for God's sake. And, you know, they got rather shitty at me. But anyway, I got one and I watched that game. It was a little thing about, you know, how Europe once was. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes you go through, okay, it's not us four. It's not our listeners to the pod. But you would think that basically... European and world football is run by Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, and you know, probably Real Madrid and Barcelona. And sometimes you gotta think self, so, there's more to life than that. Do you know what I mean? There's more to life than those big four, you know, four yeah, or five clubs.
1: It gets boring, man.
2: It does, it does, it really does. And then their um uh their push, you know, and if you had Juventus and you had, you know, Bayern Munich, you know, for yet another breakaway league and so on and so forth. And I hate the whole thing why it's almost like one rule for them and one rule for everybody else. And God, isn't that a subject matter on, on its own? But anyway, um, uh, it does get boring after a while. On the last part, I spoke about um, Partizan's game against Sparta Prague and I was, I was actually really, really excited about that and I, I really couldn't wait because... I know this is stretching a long bow, but I actually thought that that was a prestigious tie. I thought that was a prestigious matchup. And the fact that Partizan won the way that they did, I think that is something that is should be should have been celebrated maybe a little bit more than what it was. I agree. And isn't it funny how Europe has gone the, the, the full circle? So when I was in uh, high school, you know, when I was in university, um, there were three European club competitions. The old Cup Winners' Cup used to produce some of the greatest, the, the best finals of that year. You know what I mean? Like the UEFA Cup used to be a home and away leg. It used to be the Champions Cup final, and used to be the Cup Winners' Cup final. And of, of those four games, the Cup Winners' Cup final used to be the best final that there that there was. So I actually thought it was great. Kudos to Partizan for for getting past Sparta Prague. Um and you know like I actually thought that that was a prestigious you know tie and not enough was made of Partizan's great performance over over both legs. I am I am a Stanovic fan. I was really interested you know to hear Alex's you know comments not too long ago. I I get the feeling Alex is going to give me a better insight because you know you live in Belgrade and you know like. Uh, we don't, I don't, and I just get, you know, just read the media every morning, you know, before I wake up, even before I say hello to my wife. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, but um, uh, I, he's the type of guy that I wish him well. Do you know what I mean? Like he comes across as a decent man. He comes across as a solid coach. And, you know, one thing about our great nation is the fact is that we produced good coaches all over the place. And I think... We, you know, the the careers of someone like an Alexander Stanoevich and Vladimir and Nenad Lalatovic and you know the guys that have coached in Cyprus and in Greece and in you know in other areas and things like that. We still need to and track their progress as well because I, I for one I wish them well as you know in their coaching careers. Um, now you know to get onto these two ties, the when the draws came out, so Zvezda to play Rangers and and Sparta Prague. To play Fire Nord, it was it made me even happier and even more uh, uh, feelings of anticipation, higher feelings of anticipation for this upcoming year than when Serbia qualified for the World Cup. Because can I just say to the people that are younger than me, which you guys all are, and you know, to the to our listeners that are younger, than you know, Luka Milosh and, and 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 Alexa. Embrace this, you know, really embrace this time because we are starting to come on a, you know, like the wave is coming and we need to jump on it because this is what our country has lived on for many, many years, right? Like, Partizan playing Feyenoord, you know, they are third in the Dutch league. What an opportunity we have. What a chance that we have to uh, show ourselves in the European scene people who think that, you know, the Europa Conference League is rubbish, coaches, managers, players who think that the Europa League is rubbish, you know what? Ask your club not to blame them. You know, like, I still find it rather ironic that Brendan Rodgers, you know, the Leicester manager, he didn't know what, the, um, uh, what the, the, that competition was all about. Do you know what? If that was a manager in any other club, he probably would have been sanctioned by UEFA for bringing the game into disrepute. I actually thought, I know that there was fair of the moment comments, and I really rate Brendan Rodgers as Rodgers a manager, and he seems like the most decent fella, which he probably is. But, you know, I feel like saying, you know what, if you guys don't like it, then piss off and don't play in it. Forfeit it and bugger off. Right? Right. The fact that, Partizan are playing against Feyenoord, it is a very, very prestigious club. It was one of Johan Cruyff's uh, clubs. It was one of Ronald Klumann's clubs in the last decade, Louis van Gaal did advocate, has managed that, that club. I think that's a fantastic opportunity for Partizan. I was in Belgrade the last time Partizan played Feyenoord. Sadly, it was a game that you know um, fans weren't allowed and they filled it up with um, 25,000 school kids of which just made a fantastic atmosphere in itself. And I reckon on that night, Partizan didn't... Partizan might even gave the opposition a little bit too much respect And, you know, they held back a little bit and all that type of stuff, although they played okay. But um, I think it's just a fantastic opportunity for them to show themselves on another European occasion, on another European night. Zvezda versus Rangers, again, um, Rangers will not not look forward to playing against us, right? I know that they are higher as a kite um, because they they beat uh, beat, uh, Borussia Dortmund and I know that, in a way, Rangers will still be saying to themselves, our priority is the Scottish Premiership, and that's their business, if you know what I mean. Like, where would they, where they put their priorities is their business. But I think the opportunity for Zvezda lies if we can negate Morelos, who is their star striker, the Colombian dude, because he's the type where, if things don't go his way, he gets a little bit shitty, he kicks the can the, you know, uh, along the road. And you know his head goes down and his motivation level sinks. And if we can stop, you know they're probably most solid. play, James Tavernier on the left hand side. I I if I um I'll stand corrected as usual. I think Zvezda's in with a fantastic chance. People from the United Kingdom will flock to to Ibrox to um watch the away the away leg. Um and you know like you know uh, you know kids. Young boys and girls who listen to this pod, I know that we're trying to spread this through social media, through Twitter, through Spotify, through everything. All of our people in our diaspora who are younger than me, take this opportunity, clear your clear your calendars, clear your agendas, watch these games. If you're a Zvezda watch the Partizan game. If you're a Partizan fan, watch the Zvezda game because we are on the start of something special and I just cannot wait. I was so happy when these draws... Um, Drawers came out and like, Znastar, yet the I cannot wait for these ties to happen because there's a possibility that both these clubs could go even further than these next ties. Oh, beautiful. Real possibility.
1: Beautiful, man. Real
2: possibility. And it's up to us. It's up to us as Serbian clubs. It's up to us as Serbian fans. We need to fill those stadiums in Belgrade and to say, welcome to hell. Right. We've got to we got to make a statement to say when these clubs have left Belgrade that you didn't bring enough underpants because you have soiled them. Right. You have absolutely shit them ship themselves. And that's what we need to bring back with good, positive energy, a positive vibe. Our city needs to be like absolutely riveting with expectation before these two times happen. And our way support in Holland will be there. Our way support in, in, in Scotland will be there. And you know what? Neither of those teams would have fancied playing either Zvezda or Partizan. Neither of them. And I can't wait.
1: And and on the other side, Veli, when you look at the possible uh, teams that we could have gotten, Rangers is not a bad team. I'm speaking from Zvezda's perspective. Not at all. Not a bad team. Totally doable, man. I mean, when you had like Barcelona and and everybody else in there. This is a very doable tie. And like I said, I think I really do think it's 50-50. And if we show up, I think we have a good chance of taking it, man.
2: Because this is the thing. Right, this is what people who support these Western clubs and all that type of stuff need to understand. I love Glasgow Rangers. I watched them this morning against St Johnston. I don't know why. It probably um, is a bigger reflection of me than than anybody else. But I I love watching Rangers. I love watching Celtic. I've got a real soft spot for Scotland. I, I have. But this is one thing that people like in rangers, Celtic, all that type of stuff, find or need to understand. You have way more money than we do, right? And you can't hide or shy away from that fact. But what we don't have in budgets and in finance and in infrastructure, we have talent and we have in grit and we have in determination. And I think that since... We are highly motivated due to the turning of the corner of Serbian football as a whole. This is an opportunity that we cannot we cannot wait for and bring it on. <coughs> Sorry, Alex, I've probably taken way too much of your time. But, um, uh, like, I, I get fired up and I love it. And I'm not going <laughs> to apologize for it either.
0: Hey, Van Valley And, I mean, I got to just say you're right. We have two clubs in the round of 16 in Europe. This might not happen again for another decade or two, right? So we have to really enjoy this moment. And I bought it, but Soap you're wrong. Right. Gotta soak these games in. Alexa, uh, let's hear your thoughts on the draw and uh, about Partizan's great performance against Parth of Prague. And I think Veli, as part, you know, Veli said it's forgotten that game, but I think the part of that is because the, this game, the Derby was right after it. Right, know, it's part right, of right. It was forgotten.
2: Oh, By the way, before Alex starts, sorry, man. The uh, the Sparta Park coach in his jacket—it looked unbelievable. I loved, <laughs> I really love the Sparta Park j- uh, jacket, so I just needed to put that out there. Sorry about that, Alex. Now say something intelligent. Checks always had fashion sense. Uh, I feel like this, this is like listening to Mel Gibson in Braveheart before he's getting the Scottish army
3: ready to you know go get, go take it back. Uh, it was I don't know how to follow it. Um, regarding the Sparta game, it is probably the best. Game or the nicest feeling I've had in Partizan Stadium ever, and think of the ground that covers. And I've been to many games. Uh, I was there when we played two two against Dundalk. I've been to European games. I've been to the home games and whatever. And um, the whole night was great. I got to meet some people that uh, I've been looking to meet for a long time, and I got to saw some, I saw some people that I haven't seen in a while. The stadium was fairly filled for the first time in ages. The fans actually in the south stand made a great atmosphere. There was a great. Um, Banner that was unveiled with the old uh, with the old scoreboard that had the five nil against Sparta Prague, you know, reminiscing back to the tie in 1966, and you had the fireworks going off and you had the lighters going up, and it was really just it was fantastic. And and you saw that that they completely crapped themselves, and they didn't really know what to do. And granted, it wasn't the the you know, they didn't play the greatest game, but a lot of it was because of how we stopped them. And I think it was more down and especially in the first game and away, which was a a pretty it was pretty dull game because neither team had i think more than 65 percent you know passes completed and the fear that i had with sparta was that they're they're physical they can run quick they can create counterattacking opportunities and we didn't allow them to do that and when you pair that with the general disinterest that the coaching staff and that the club uh seemed to have displayed um going into the game uh saying that you know we're focusing on the league and you know the, the league tunnels are main priority um they went out and they played fantastic away, at least in terms of stifling them. They didn't allow them to get easy opportunities. Uh, all their best players were, were shut off. And, um, you know, a piece of brilliance from Zian and Mening away really made a difference. And we got a little bit lucky with that misheader at the end that in 99% of situations would probably go in and it would be 1-1. And I think that the reaction would have been vastly different. But the fact that we got a win away was a huge boost. It's the first win we've had in the Czech Republic. And actually, the first one we've ever had in the Czech Republic. And then the game at home was just... We came out and it, it looked completely nothing like I expected, and I was thinking we might—we're probably going to draw. I didn't expect us to lose, <clears throat> but for us to come out and just blitz them the way we did early on um, was absolutely spectacular. Could have been three or four nil by halftime. I mean, yes, they were clearly scared. They—they they played some youngsters. They had a few injuries, but we had guys that were coming back off injuries. We had guys that were injured, guys that were lacking experience, and we went out and we just completely took it to them. And um, you know. He, Pavel Verba played all his best guys. He played, you know, Flozik, Hadeslin, and Keitchi and everyone else. And the way we started was just we pressed them high. We didn't let them build the ball up. We took the ball away and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, we we created chances very easily and the two goals that Ricardo scored are two top class center forward goals that, you know, really great strikers can have. The only thing about the game that was frustrating was the Bulgarian referee who gave the first yellow card for no reason whatsoever, and then the second yellow card, which You know, you can argue probably wasn't a dive. I understand why he gave it, but the first yellow card was just ridiculous. I mean, he didn't even make... He really had a chip on his shoulder, didn't he? He really had had a chip on his shoulder, that referee. I think he just didn't know what he was doing. I think it's more so that than any sort of, you know, specific bias that he had. And then that's the frustrating thing. Fortunately, we have Milovanovich, who I actually think might work better for this team in terms of the way we play. I think he can get other, you know, other teammates involved more. And I think that he, you know, he's got other sets of skills that Ricardo doesn't have and vice versa. So... And I'm not worried for his uh, ability going into the Feyenoord game. He got a chance against the and he took it immediately. And I think that he's going to take the Feyenoord chance well. And the Sparta game was just great. There's very little that I can say negative about it. And I think would deserve credit for, you know, getting two wins in a European knockout tie, which has never happened in our club's history. And when you look at where we were at the start of the season, to get into the round of 16 of a European competition is way more than anyone could have hoped for. Um, Specifically regarding Feyenoord, I think that that was one of the teams that I, I didn't necessarily want the only team that I really wanted to avoid was Stade Rennes because I think our record with French teams is awful, and they play tremendously fast football, and they're very difficult to stop. And um, getting Feyenoord is, is a tie that I'm looking forward to because our record with Dutch teams is pretty good. Um, they're a young and experienced team. Their former manager was the, the their current manager was the former A's and Alkmaar manager, which is something that I'm very excited about because I want payback for two and a half years ago. I still haven't gotten over it, and I never will. And um, the away game is going to be great. Of course, Feyenoord has the best fan base probably of all the Benelux teams, probably even better than Ajax and PSV and Anderlecht. Um, they've got <clears throat> young, experienced players. They're a team that's you know, competing well in the Dutch League. They're chasing you know, PSV, they're chasing Ajax, they're chasing the Champions League spot. They played a very good game against, um, against uh, Alkmaar that they lost. They probably should have won. They, they played very well. There's not a lot of well-known guys in that team. You know, you've got other guys that, you know, have been around in the Turkish League and other places, but they're a well-coached team. they they got a manager who knows how to work with young players and, and have them gel together well. But at the same time, I think they're a team that can be had. I think that we can friend them on set pieces, which we've shown to be a strength of ours. And I think that if we have a fully fit team, and if we have the approach like we did in Sparta when we went at them from the start, and if we can just match them in terms of pace and running, and if we played smart... And, you know, especially because we're playing the first game at home, I don't really fear anyone if we can repeat what we did against Sparta now. It's not the easiest thing to do that. But I think we've got a chance to go through, and considering some of the teams we could have gotten, like, you know, for example, we could have gotten Rennes or, you know, Copenhagen. I think it would have been difficult. And at the same time, it's like you mentioned, Veli. You're going up against the big club, three European trophies to its name, amazing fan base, great players. <laughs> it's much more enjoyable to play against the club like that than it is to play against someone like Copenhagen, which is kind of boring and, you know, they're a good team. They might knock you out. So it's a great chance if we manage to knock them out, I think it's going to be the biggest achievement in, in recent club history. I mean, we haven't played in the quarterfinals of the European Cup since 1990. So <clears throat> you can say about the conference, if you want, but to get into the last 16 is a hell of an achievement. And it's, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And, and beating Sparta twice took some doing. And I think that you can say about the group that it was fairly easy and the qualifiers were, you know, a bit tricky, but, Getting, knocking out Sparta, a club with big history, a club that took the competition seriously. They beat Rangers. They beat, you know, Rams, they beat, you know, they, they put three goals past Leon. Um, it, it's an achievement. And I think that if we're healthy and if we if we go at the fan art like we're doing in Sparta and if we put the pressure on at home like we can, then I think that we, we have a chance. It's going to be difficult because they've got pace and they've got, you know, quick build-up abilities. But I think that our set pieces and our toughness can hopefully stifle them. And uh, I think that we have a shot to go through. Um <clears throat> About the, uh, the Rangers game, I think the Rangers, you guys said it all. I mean, it's a club that has history with. It's a club that showcased its ability to put a bunch of goals past anyone. They've got players that maybe are more renowned but are very good for their team. James Tavernier, who's their right back, would probably be England's best right back in any different era, and he's not even in the five best right backs they have right now. Ryan Kent is... Blossom, since he's left Liverpool, they've got, you know, Ryan Jack, who we saw for the Scotland team. They've got Alan McGregor, who's a legend in gold. They've got a great fan base. You've, got You've mentioned Stephen Davis, Scott Arfield, Gio Van Brockers has taken over Stephen Gerrard and has kept the same principle of play. But I think Zvezda's shown that they can knock out tougher teams in, you know, bigger circumstances. I think that they're going to be hyped up for it. I think that Zvez uh, have shown that they can match teams in terms of toughness, maybe not in terms of pace. And the thing that Zvezda has is they have a couple of players in – and now especially even in Ohi, who can actually get behind the defense uh, and who can win a match with one move. I think that the, the first game is going to be crucial, if you remember the last time that says the play against Rangers was back in 2007, if I recall. And <clears throat> it was a game that uh, was a pretty well-played tactical game uh slugfest until Rangers scored in the 90th minute and then Svezda had a chance in the first minute at home they missed it and they have to advantage of it so for Zvezda, the key is to not lose in scotland if they don't lose in scotland they got a pretty good chance to knock them out at home I'm, I'm pretty confident that they can do it but i think the first game is going to be crucial i think that you have to play it smart i think it's just shown against like sabraga Ludogarets and mithiland and even in years before that against Krasnodar the and about the borisov and others that they can play those kind of games they can cry out a result in Belgrade. i think they've got a great chance to do it I think Rangers is a team that can put five goals past anyone, but they can also collapse at the back. So I think if you hold on to that first wave, it absolutely has a shot to go through. And again, with all things considered, when you look at where Serbian football was a few years ago, and let's be honest, where it is now... The fact that we've got two teams in a round of 16 fighting for a quarter final spot is way more than we could have hoped for so we have to enjoy it and i think that the great part about it is both teams have a shot to go through and you look at the ties they could have gotten uh you couldn't say that about all the teams there
0: so i think it's a great opportunity and i think we have to cherish it. man i'm excited i really can't wait these european nights these atmospheres has got me buzzing <laughs> and well, I, yeah. i'm really looking forward to it. Luca, I'm so jealous that you're gonna be there. It's gonna be that's gonna be really unreal, man.
1: Dude, I know. I can't. I, I can't wait, dude. I, when I saw, it, like, I, I had planned the Belgrade trip a little bit before, and then I saw, it, and I was like, oh hell yeah, because if if they would have played home first, I would have missed it, you know, obviously. But this way, I'm gonna be there. Mike, right are
0: now. you gonna make it to Budapest for uh, Serbia, Hungary, or what?
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think I'm gonna be traveling <laughs> for that one, dude. I have I have faith in the boys; they can take over business without me, dude.
0: Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, big big games ahead. Uh, big. This is you know kind of crazy things happening in Serbian football. It does feel like the the, the momentum is with our clubs and our national team, and that we're going in an upward motion. Obviously, anytime you speak about us, that motion can stop abruptly and violently. But and reverse in some it. instances. Hopefully it doesn't. And hopefully this is just the beginning, and and we. We see these amazing achievements and amazing spectacle games more and more often uh, as the years go on, and that this is really the renaissance of our football, which we're all hoping that it is. Um, if anyone can fuck it, stop, we can. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Don't challenge us. Yeah.
0: The self-sabotage masters. As, uh, like Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot, lot, lot of things going on for players as well. We gotta give our boy a shout out, Alexander, Alexander Mitrovic, Mitro, who just uh, broke the championship like record breaker. Not championship, the championship scoring record. Soon to, to be champion. He's no no <laughs> He's gonna get the Champions
3: League
2: soon. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Here we are, r- nice and hypothetical. If you guys saw Alexander Mitrovic in two seasons' time, still in a football, sh- uh, still in a, f- uh, a Fulham shirt. How would you feel
1: about that? N- not, not good. Total,
2: total hypothetical.
1: Not good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with Titus here, dude. I think it's a travesty that he's playing in the in the championship with his talent level. I think if he can find the right team in a in the top tier of the leagues, I think. I mean, he could. I don't know, like how high the ceiling is for him. That's the thing. I mean, we're never gonna find that out if he's playing it for him. and his ceiling is pretty damn high from everything we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, if
0: Fulham becomes a. Stable, you know, mid-table Premier League team, I wouldn't be so against it, but at the same time, he needs to play on a team that's attacking, that has possession. He's not—he's not a player that's going to play this counter-attacking style, and that's going to, you know, score a lot of goals playing that way. Right? It's just, it's just not—it doesn't suit him. Like, look at how Serbia plays. That's how he needs to play on a team that has a lot of possession, a lot of attacks, great wingers, you know, creative players. He needs—he needs that to be successful and. It's really hard for him to do that at Fulham, even at Newcastle. Before that, you know, these are teams that were kind of fighting, fighting for survival, fighting for their lives, kind of very defensive, not not having a lot of possession. So it's, it would be it's gonna be very hard for him. I know Fulham looks amazing right now in the championship. You know, they're gonna have a record season.
2: They're gonna win the league. But they looked uh, amazing but... before. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because the, the reason the reason I asked that question is. You know, and I've said this on the pod before, and it's got nothing to do with me, but, you know, people like Tadić, people like Mitrovic made really wise career choices, right? So that why I ask that question is, I, I think, you know, like, again, what Mitrovic is, has done, it, it sadly will be underrated by many in the football world because, number one, he's Aleksandar Mitrovic, who's Serbian, and number two, you know, they're they're going to say it in the championships. But when it's it's in the championship, but when it suits them in another discussion, they'll say, you know, uh, the playoff final is the richest game in football, and it's such a high standard, and so on and so forth. Right. So there's always that inconsistency there. But the thing is that next his next career move really needs to be at a club with a manager that knows his strengths. And that has a style of play that suits the player that he is. Because let's face it, if we're playing in a high tempo team that looks to have a high transitional rate. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of these modern coaches now going in that they call it the first three seconds or the first five seconds. So what they do is how they transition when they've lost the ball and how they transition when they won the ball back. So if he's in one of those teams that play that high-tempo, high-press, try to gain the ball back within the first three seconds of losing it, I think Mitrovic could struggle in that type of team. And especially, you know, the way that Fulham play, he's the sole guy up front and everyone plays around him, whether it's their one or two players behind him, what, um, either the player either side of him. So the reason I ask that question is to say that, okay... Is he going to go to Fulham, or is he going to go and is he going to go straight to Tottenham next year, or straight to Marseille next year, or straight to um, you know Juventus next year, or Milan next year, or something like that? I think he still needs to be rather wise in his next career move because is there stuff to build on? Like yes, you know, well, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like in the next two seasons for him and. Um, you know, number one, I can't wait to see him in November. You know, in, in, exactly. in the World Cup. But um, right. uh yeah, you know, like it's not taking nothing away from Artur after achievements. But I, I'm just so fascinated about his next his this, next career move. This has to be
0: his last ever championship season. Like, there's no. I mean, if Fulham gets relegated again, there's no way. You should stay and go, he's like, no, he's... I,
3: I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, he's a guy who's pretty loyal. He's mentioned many times that he wants to go back to Partizan. He loves being in London. He's very well-paid. It's a style of football that suits him, and he he's the king there. The wages in the championship are obscenely high. You guys got to remember that, too. So, Especially you know, his... not that shocking. That ain't Especially, 100, 125,
0: right? 125 per week. Yeah, something around that. Ain't that bad.
3: He's, he's the highest-paid player in the league, and, and he's, he, he's in a league that's competitive. It's probably the top 10 league in Europe, so... I don't know if he that's would necessarily move...
1: Yeah, Yeah, I wish this. I wish, (laughs) my friend. Yeah,
3: but the the champion, one (laughs) champion. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, the championship is a, is a pretty respected league and I think Fulham has the, the finances to invest in a good team and I think they're starting to get better they're starting to make smart signings they've got a good manager running them so I think that you could see Fulham become a stable you know Premier League team and if that's the case I don't see any chance from leaving I mean he's gonna have a statue outside like the stadium, anyways and I think he feeds off that so I'm not even sure if I want to see him leave and but if he does I think that he you know, he knows what the team he's gonna pick I think that he's been wise in the choices he's gone and uh, I have no doubt that I'd love to see him in Roma, for example, or somewhere like that. I think he'd right. uh,
2: playing in Italy tremendously. And uh, can I, I track this hypothetical? Else. Sorry, boys. Can I track this hypothetical? Robert Lewandowski is thirty-two, to 32, around there. Yeah. Uh, do you see well, maybe older? Thirty-three. Do you see? Do you see replacing Lewandowski at Bayern? He should.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I thought I thought I was going to be Ljubovic replacing. Uh... Lewandowski, at Bayern, but I, 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 for some reason I can't see it. I, I can see him going to another EPL team or or uh, somewhere in Italy. For oh, some yeah, reason, I see
0: Italy more than Bayern. Yeah. yeah, I just I can't see, see Bayern. I now. see him or I see him replacing, uh, you know, Edin Dzeko or something. Like right, that. right.
1: When was I the last really time Bayern signed a uh, like uh, notable Serbian player? I don't even know. I'm absolutely, sorry. absolutely.
2: But you can see my. Never. You can see my <laughs> <famous>. <laughs> You can see my thought process here. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. percent. They will be looking to replace somebody and all that type of stuff because, at the end of the day, sometimes football can be, the fit, the career choice and all that type of stuff. You know, there 100%. was a, there was a really I listened to um, uh, the excellent and that's the only thing that I probably ever listened to on that on that like um, media outlet. But the Guardian makes a magnificent. Uh, Football Weekly podcast, and I do listen to that. And one of the contributors to that talked about the fact is that we do fall into the trap. here is as soon as you think, you, as soon as you've left the Premier League, that nobody, um, uh, nobody, you know, like cares about you anymore. And one of those players was Dusan Tadic, and we just don't understand because we keep looking at the Premier League that we'll he's we'll a superb continue. player. Yeah. Well, look,
0: Coutinho, a, look at what he's done since he came back to the Premier League. You know, Absolutely he was
2: you, a horrible player all of a sudden. He said he um he made that he made that um uh, example of Dusan Tadic. He goes, he's a superb footballer, and we just forget that because he's not playing in the Premier League anymore. So um, every time I hear that he was a flop at Southampton, I just want to shoot myself. I know, man.
1: I don't know. I don't right? know where that narrative came absolutely. from. Absolutely.
2: And yeah. then sometimes Dude. you just understand how shallow the knowledge is. Yes. you know what I mean? Because you know, like in Southampton. We're a really good on the eye football side. And again, Southampton. He saved Hampton them. In a different
0: that one area. season is less than he saved them. He saved their Yeah, whole but
2: season. like in Southampton, with that team in just a slightly, and I'm not talking a tragically, slightly different era, that would have been a top 10 football team. Oh, yeah. Right? And they would have been lauding the, the, their achievements. So, but talk about, you know, career moves and talk about being wise, you know, like nothing. If there was a prize for the best career move of 2022, it would have been Bishabu Lafaevich to Juventus because overnight he's gone from a really solid Italian team to playing to you know in the top Italian team and Juventus and, and Champions League all in the same season. So um, uh, again, I'm all for these these really fascinating. Also, oh, he's, um, he's
0: gained about a million uh, Instagram followers in, in two weeks. As well. Hey, that, that's what, <laughs> what to, it's all no, about, no, baby. Again,
1: he's
2: again, not playing. Again, he's. he's Carrying them really, yeah, so, again, yeah, literally, just like, just like, again, just like Law You know what I mean? So, um, uh, you know, like, it, I'm just fascinated to see his progress every single week, every single match, and then, um, you know, you go far out. Credit, credit to them all. So, uh again, I, I'm pumped, I'm excited. I got all romantic on your ass, I got all optimistic <laughs> on your asses, but sorry, but Ali, you know what? Yeah, barely your share. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just. I am so pumped about the next, you know, like, um, we're in March, aren't we? So the next nine months of this year, I can't wait. It feels good to have a superstar. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
1: Hey, man. And, and, and he's only getting better too, dude. Uh, Oh yeah. You know, like, like what he was doing in Fiorentina is almost forgotten by how he, how hotly he started over here in Juventus, man. And, uh. Yeah.
0: And and it, and it's like on a team that's they're not even creating that many chances.
3: No, like
1: dude.
0: This. Did you it's see like, that Villarreal where they just punted
3: the ball up to him and he yes, and he shoots with two. Yes,
1: guys. dude. He's the guy two. needs he like he a, a centimeter of space, man, corners. just turn it's like, around.
3: It's like Prime Ibrahimovic looking at it. It's just like right. It's they just give him the ball. There's no like guys running into the post. There's no one twos. It's Just like here, get the ball and you know do it yourself. And he does. Right, right. know that they, they, every team knows he's going to go there, and they still can't stop him. It's 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 pretty impressive. So.
1: Extremely impressive, man, and and, and um, you know, I think we talked a little bit about the pitfalls of Juventus and kind of why you shouldn't have won there and everything. And you you maybe you're seeing a little bit of that is that they don't create enough chances for him and their their midfield is kind of weak or whatever. Um, but
3: Fiorentina didn't create that many chances for him either. Exactly. It,
1: so. yeah. Exactly, man. You're right. Um. So you know, great, great, great freaking start, man. And he's just. Picked up where he left off from Fiorentina, and then some. And it's just freaking beautiful to see. And scoring your Champions League debut goal in 35 seconds or whatever it is—I I was watching the game. I started watching the game there, luckily from the beginning. And um, I had to get off. I jumped off off the couch, man. I was so excited because that was a goal literally out of nothing. And to score it in 35 seconds on your debut, it was just—it was just beautiful, man.
0: Yeah, and it's just—he's so good. He creates his own goals. I mean, he doesn't need many chances to score. He's that good. And the, and the exciting thing is just imagine what he's going to do in this form, in this type of atmosphere when he goes back to the national team and plays with... Dadic, SMS, yes. Kostic, those guys.
1: Some like, nice attacking be football, baby. Yes. Another ridiculous.
3: part that kind of gets forgotten about it is that if you consider the fact that a lot of our guys have had great seasons and they come to the World Cup they're drained. Now this World Cup's going to be in November. They're going to have a full summer to rest and they're going to come into that World Cup in full form because the season's going to be going underway. So they're not coming in drained. They're going to come in firing, ready to go. Right, right. So we're not going to have hangovers. where guys are like we have played a full season and we've carried our squads to cup finals and top four finishes. They're coming in fresh. They're coming in in full fitness and and it's it's scary to think what he could do because he can do everything you can chest the ball down you can get behind the defense you can shoot from distance and you know if he was a little bit better dribbler it would be like watching the old ronaldo or about to or someone like that I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible you know it's a, it's a guy who can win
2: matches by himself which we haven't had in a very long time mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's very refreshing to see
3: mm-hmm. yeah the only
2: thing the only thing i add to all of that is listen i would rather uh they all be every single one of them to be in form in september october of this year, rather than right now. Oh yeah. But there's oh, yeah. the other thing that is that we just need to keep an eye on is at at this point in time, people like Nemaniyat Radonic are not getting a lot of game time. Mm-hmm. um Philip uh, juricic is still injured. Correct me if I'm wrong because he yep. hasn't been in. As so a he's, still, he's long been for,
0: injured for three, four months at least. Yeah.
2: So he's been he's been out for quite some time. Um, and listen, at the end of the day, our goalkeeping issue will be, I reckon, a discussion point right to the first game of the World Cup. I still think that is um, uh, up in the air. And um, uh, Marco Dimitrovic is, is sitting on the bench a lot as well. He's not first choice for his club. So I, I think, you know, and maybe even if I'm really critical, the last month of SMS for, for his uh, club side, Lazio it hasn't set the world on fire, but he's been okay um, so again, I'd rather trade that all for the, you know everyone being in peak form in in September and October of this year. Um, but there's something you know that we all need to keep an eye out on. You know, not just our, our stars, but the people that make you know the other positions from you know one to twenty three in that in that final World Cup squad. So interesting times ahead.
0: For sure, and I was watching uh, Fiorentina against Juventus today. Uh, you know, heartbreaking heartbreaking loss for Fiorentina, but Milan, which was. Is- pretty pretty solid it was pretty awesome yes. yeah yeah he, he had an excellent game he, he seems like he's developing very nicely he's becoming more mature more confident just more more he's, he wasn't a bad defender before he's just becoming more experienced and, and more intelligent in the game and you know today he had a lot of good reads he's he's definitely somebody who's going to be top class defender for many years and, and you know today i saw a lot of good things for him and as far as lavish today you know he barely got any chances <laughs> It just said juventus was pretty much going for a draw in this game but they got the win in yeah, the end by by you know unlucky own goal but they'll take oh, it whole oh, crowd oh, oh, was it for no reason yeah.
3: i know
1: outrageous man everything is done for him dude and they, and they treat him the like thing, that you
0: know, the yeah. thing is though like in five years when he's like you know Ball- ballon door mm-hmm. and all this stuff and one of the, the best striker in the world they're going to be
1: Oh, yeah, he, he played for us. Quickly. They're going be like, yeah. oh, <laughs>
0: him yeah. yeah, they'll be gassing him out. They're like, oh, we made him. He was made here and all that. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, right. I won't pay any attention to this. Yeah, it's right, right. just temporary. It's just
1: noise. It's just noise, man.
0: Just, yeah, the wound is fresh. But in like three, four years when he's the best in the world, they'll be they'll be having his posters up again and all that. Like, don't, don't it... have
2: to worry doesn't it give you the shits when the narrative changes to suit people's purposes? It just like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like I just, (laughs) it it makes me very, very shitty. 2022. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we uh, wrap it up, man, you got any uh, shout outs? Yeah. Like uh, I, I will have a shout out and like I'm, I always look at this, you know, fondly, um, uh, because I'm a big fan of that league for some reason. I think it's because living in Australia, you know, we're, we're an up-and-coming football nation. We can say what we're like. We're not as good as we think we are, but we, um, we I look at the MLS, so I saw Milos Degenek started his first game for the Columbus crew, um, what was it, three or four days ago now. Um, you North American buddies, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I still think that's where Milan Borian will end up in the in, in next season. I um, I just have that feeling Um so, uh, a big shout out to our uh, Serbian Dowsbury in North America, um, and that's about all.
0: Yeah, what about Peter? is doing pretty amazing in the A League. He's
2: doing, he's doing all right,
0: and like I hey, said, so,
2: yeah. And um, the other guy that I really want to give a shout out to is then uh, a young fella who I've known since he was seven, and uh, I coached the junior team down here. And I'll put this massive disclaimer. The reason that he excelled, he's got nothing to do with maybe the four or five years, six years that he spent with me, but um, <laughs> uh, nothing to do with that. But uh, a young fellow by the name of Nikola Mleosic, who plays for the Brisbane Roar uh, in the A-League in Australia, young Serbian kid. He played for um, a football club called Belgrade, um, which is our team here in, in Adelaide for, for many, many a year. You will not meet a nicer young man. Um, he played uh, last season for Randers in the Danish Superliga uh, came back well, obviously when Corona hit which you know in a way nobody could blame him being in a foreign country by himself and his beautiful fiance uh, must have been must have been difficult must have been tough but he's doing really well for the team called the Brisbane raw in um, far north Queensland you know to our all of our Serbian friends in New South, northern New South Wales and in, in, um, in Queensland I know that they're doing it really tough with natural disasters, so a a big shout out to you, all you folk, and um, uh, yeah, to to, to Nicola, you're setting the league alight, brother, and um, long may it continue.
0: Amen. Look, anything to add before you uh, go away into your blackout phase? Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: man. Uh, (laughs) I I do have to give a shout out to, uh, I don't think we mentioned him enough, uh, only in passing, but Dusan Tadic and uh, Ajax in the Champions League, dude. Really should have won that game, but don't let's not let it take away from uh, from uh, Tadic's beautiful goal, man. It, it was a real beauty, the volley.
0: That's right. That's his tenth goal in the Champions League in the last uh, three, three. I think it has been three seasons for him, three or four seasons for him. Such a such a classy player. A great goal, and and uh, you know what a what a week though. First we had Mitrovic break the record. Right, and then uh, Tadi scored that goal, and then the next day Long scored that goal in the yeah, Champions which League, which was League.
1: which was also a record for a day, de- <laughs> the fastest debut goal in the Champions
0: League. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's same week for our players, and may long continue, and may and long continue, especially till November, and December, <laughs> and when past we'll November. In yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us this week, and uh, everybody have a great, great, uh, great spring, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Take care. My is Ravi Bili.